Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. Speaking of Christmas Eve, a little story came to my mind. What did Adam say to Eve the day before Christmas? It's Christmas Eve. (laughs) I think, I can't see you, but I think I heard someone groan all the way from Markham And uh, listen, one year ago, what were we doing? We were saying, people get ready for the Jesus Project, an entire year in the Gospel of Luke. And uh, what are we doing a year later? We're saying, people get ready. One year ago, we were talking about Jesus' first arrival on planet Earth at Christmas time. Now, we're looking at that, but we're saying, some things are similar from when Jesus came the first time to when he is returning He's coming again. So we're saying, people get ready for the return of Jesus to planet Earth. And uh, now, there's one big similarity between when Jesus came the first time and he came the second time. We're going to look at four differences. First, let's look at the similarity. How many uh, understand that there was lots of speculation when Jesus came the first time, but not a whole lot of readiness? And that is happening today with Jesus' return. Uh, Now, you may have someone in your family that gets really excited about getting everything ready for Christmas. And uh, I have one in my family too. Well, in the first century, when uh, people were looking for the Messiah to come to earth, there was a lot of expectation, a lot of uh, excitement, especially in a political realm. There was sort of like a a get-off-my-land kind of attitude amongst the Jewish people because the land that was given to them, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to the Jewish people to bring the Messiah to all nations, it it had been taken over by the Romans. They were under Roman domination and oppression. And so there's a bit of that get-off-my-land, but there's also a second attitude that was prevalent when Jesus first came to planet Earth, and that was sort of like a a make Israel great again attitude. You know, uh, the golden age under King David when we had our own king, no Romans ruling us. And and there was that wonderful age, so let's make Israel great again. So when Jesus shows up and makes this announcement, the kingdom of God is here, people are thinking that's the best news ever. And then they didn't want to hear when Jesus said, but my kingdom starts in your hearts. It's a kingdom of love, love that you even have for your enemies like the Romans. They, they, they just brushed that aside. And the next time Jesus did a big miracle or attracted a big crowd, it just skyrocketed again. Those messianic expectations of a king who would come and rule. And and the disciples were the worst, remember? When are you going to set up your kingdom? Jesus, now? And every time something big would happen that was popular with the crowds, Jesus, now? Jesus was sort of like a, a parent on the way to a 
vacation destination with his family. You know, are we there yet? Are we, Jesus, are you going to set up your kingdom yet? To be fair, the Old Testament that they got their information about the Messiah from talked about a kingly Messiah. He'll be the lion of the tribe of Judah. He'll be from the throne of David. But they also talked about a suffering Messiah, that he'll be a lamb that's led to the slaughter, that he'll be, die and be buried in a rich man's grave, but yet would see the light of life again, Isaiah 53. And so, listen, but to be honest, if you lived in that generation where Jesus arrived the first time and you were oppressed by these uh, this illegitimate Roman government, what scriptures about the Messiah would you gravitate towards? You, you'd be all about, yeah, let's look for a kingly Messiah who will overthrow these Romans. Jesus' own disciples, he would tell them that he was also the suffering Messiah, that he would die, and they would just delete all of that because all they wanted to hear about was what place are we going to have in the kingdom when you rule and reign as the kingly Messiah. And so uh, here's how the apostle John, he was one of them, and they looked back on it years later, and he said this about Jesus. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. You know, so let's just go a little trip. Pastor Jonathan and I made to Israel, and Jeff made this uh, video of one of the scenes I get asked about every time we go, what are all these tombs? Why this huge cemetery right outside Jerusalem? Well, listen, for the Jewish people, they didn't recognize Jesus when he came at Christmas, so they're still looking for him to come the first time. Not to return, but to come the first time. And the Midrash, the Jewish religious book, says the Messiah will appear on the Mount of Olives, go across the Kidron Valley to the Temple Mount, and the dead will rise. So the people arranged to be buried there. They want front row seats when the Messiah comes because the dead, they believe, are going to rise and they, they want to, to be there. Did you know what Jesus said to the people of Jerusalem who did not recognize him as their Messiah when he came at Christmas? When he came to give his lies for them? Here's what he said. It's from our Jesus Project book of Luke. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How often have I wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. And now look, your house is abandoned and, watch this now, he came the first time and now he talks about the future, and you will never see me again until you say, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. But while we shake our heads at the rejection of the Savior who came to give his life for people when he arrived on the planet the first time, keep shaking your heads because Christians are doing that today about the return of Jesus. They, they're, they're listening to their speculations more than they're listening to what Jesus says about being ready. And, uh, you know, it, it's always been that way. I've read through the history of the church. I think of the years when I pastored in Edmonton. People were, we had a little group that was in the church. Most people were just, you know, Jesus is coming again, and they were looking forward to it. But you had this one group. One even said, 
uh, gave out a pamphlet about buying as a church a, um, a place in the Rocky Mountains, sort of a survival center for the church for when the terrible tribulation will come upon the earth. Remember moving to Ottawa to pastor in 1988? Remember that scientist put out this pamphlet, 88 reasons why Jesus will return? And, you know, I was thinking about it and I thought, you know, because I have received a lot of things here in Toronto as well, but I thought, wouldn't it be something if somebody sent me something this week and they did this very week? Why aren't you telling people that Christmas is a pagan holiday and why aren't you readying them for the last days, you know? So apparently someone studied this and they said every two years on average, someone will date set about when Jesus is going to return. I Googled and I found there is one group that's saying 2027 is the year Jesus is going to return. It's based on the days of creation. Listen to what Jesus said about people trying to time his return. He said, you also must be ready all the time. For the Son of Man will come when you least expect him. When least expected. My predecessor, Pastor Stuart Mulligan, told me a story of a church he pastored that had this uh, children's Christmas drama, you know, Mary, Joseph, shepherds, wise men, the nativity thing, and, and, uh, and, and, and the shepherds missed their cue. They got their timing all mixed up, and they came out early, and there wasn't even any Jesus, baby Jesus, in the manger. <laughs> and so the, one of the shepherds, one of the young guys, that was acting as a shepherd, turned to the others and he said, we'll come back later. <laughs> and they left the platform. Listen, can I reassure you that when Jesus arrives on the stage of planet Earth, he will not be late, he will not be early, he will arrive right on God's schedule. He came the first time in the fullness of time. How many know he's going to come right at God's appointed time when he returns? But people speculate about it. Now, just like they did when he came the first time. But there are four differences between when Jesus came at Christmas and when he's going to return. Here's the first one. Difference number one, at Jesus' Christmas arrival, he came as Savior. Jesus came to pay for the gifts of forgiveness and eternal life. That's what he did the first time. And the messaging from God to the key players was so on point. God said to, to the angel to tell Mary that she's going to give birth to the Savior, the Savior, Yeshua in the Hebrew, the rescuer, the one that's going to come and redeem his people. Remember the shepherds? They were told, yes, born this day in the city of David, Christ the Lord, Christos, this is the Messiah, but unto you a Savior is born is what they said. And then when John the Baptist was introducing Jesus to a big crowd, he didn't say, look, here is the kingly Messiah. No, he said, look, the Lamb of God who's come here to take away the sin of the world, all right? So the difference is the first time Jesus came as Savior, the Lamb of God, he's returning as king. Jesus will come to rule all whose hearts have received these gifts of forgiveness and eternal life. He'll come to rule and reign with us. Now, Hebrews says it so clearly. Look at this. 
Talks about his first arrival at Christmas and then when he comes again, all right? Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. That's the first time. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly awaiting him. And references to the return of Jesus compared to references in the Bible predicting that he would come the first time, eight to one. Jesus himself referred to his return 21 times in the gospel. So what does this mean for us in Christmas 2020? What does this mean for us? You know what it means? Even in this COVID year, whatever's been sidelined or delayed educationally, vocationally, for you financially as a family, whatever's been delayed, listen, listen, you place your trust in God. He has promised us that he would take care of us. And whatever has been delayed, how many know delay is not denial? And we can trust God's timing, not only to come back to us as king right at the right time, but you can trust his timing in your own personal life. Nothing will disrupt God from following through on his plan for people on the planet. He loves us that much. All right, difference number two. When Jesus arrived at Christmas, he came to love a broken world of injustices. Remember, he said, I'm here to heal the brokenhearted, to heal broken bodies, to heal broken relationships with Father God. And we saw that it didn't matter who you were, he was here to do that for you. He didn't have one level of justice for a certain race or group or people of financial means. He, he, he was the same with everyone. Remember the summer series we did with our pastors? Jesus elevates all of us. And, and that's exactly what he did. And yet here we are. He came the first time and we're still stuck in a world of uh, selfishness in relationships, corruption in uh, leadership. We're still stuck with injustices, but hold on, he's not done yet. Jesus is gonna complete his mission. Look at this, Paul writes to, Apostle Paul writes to Pastor Timothy, he says, there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which, and get these words, the righteous judge. That means the judge who does things right. He will award to me on that day. That's the day of Christ's return. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. When Christ returns, look at this. Jesus is going to make every wrong right. It's going to be in a new heaven and a new earth. He came to a broken world to bring that offer of salvation but that salvation is going to be completed when Jesus comes again and he's going to come as the righteous judge who makes every wrong right. There'll be no gender inequality. There'll be no need for Black Lives Matter type issues. There'll be no need for, for, for someone to make things right in government and corruption. There'll be no selfishness in relationships. Romans 8 tells us that even creation is messed up, but it's going to be liberated on the day Christ returns. So what does this mean for us? Well, have you experienced injustice? Of course you have. Whether it's right from your early years, things done wrong against you that shouldn't have been done, whether it's in the workplace, 
in relationships since then. Things that have just gone wrong circumstantially. And, and maybe you tried to get justice and you brought it as far as you can and there's still no justice. Listen, I want to tell you, there is a way to respond rather than just to get bitter or resentful about that injustice or let your life be defined by it. There's a way you can be free from it, and that is to realize that justice delayed is not justice denied. You are going to one day experience perfect justice from the righteous judge who will make every wrong right. So one of the best Christmas presents you can give to yourself today is to just say, Jesus, I've experienced this injustice. I'm going to leave it with you. I leave it with you. The day is coming when the righteous judge will make all things right. All right, difference number three. When Jesus arrived the first time, he became one of us, right? It's called the incarnation. That's what theologians call it. God inhabited human flesh. The apostle John who is one of Jesus' disciples, looks back on the miracle of the incarnation and he starts his gospel marveling about it. He says, in the beginning, the word was God, referring to Jesus. And then later on he says, so the word became human and made his home among us. The God of the universe came, became human, became one of us. You know, um, look at your body. Did you look at it today? <laughs> How many are watching me and you're still in your PJs? <laughs> when you look at yourself in the mirror, you can see things. Oh, I wish I could change that. I wish I wasn't born that way or these things about my body that I don't appreciate. Listen, you are the one being on the planet that actually is made so that the God of the universe can indwell. Isn't that something? Now, when I said, look at your, your, your body and talked about that, a lot of you, your mind went, oh yeah, why would I want to do that? You know, I, ha I, I don't have this. I wish I looked th that way or, you know, and then you get older. I remember a couple of weeks ago, I was coming to a, I think it was between videos and Holy Spirit gathering and all the services. Very, very busy weekend, seven um, serves a wedding, digital wedding that weekend too, and oh, so much happening. That's the very week I was moving and cracked a rib and cracked a tooth. I thought I'm going to arrive at church all cracked up. I mean, this body uh, just doesn't hold up the way it used to, you know, even though I'm not that old, I, I can still say that. Our bodies are not designed to live forever. Someone could give you a Christmas gift of Botox, collagen, and a plastic surgery treatment, you, all you're going to do is delay looking like the age that you actually are, all right? And then men, we don't get off either. Men, someone said men go through four stages. Stage number one, we believe in Santa Claus. Boys believe in Santa Claus. And then they don't believe in Santa Claus, stage two. Stage three, they are Santa Claus. Stage four, they look like Santa Claus, you know. It happens to all of us. We all have a best before date when it comes to our body. However, look at this now. When Jesus came at Christmas, he became one of us. At Christ's return, we become like Jesus. We have a transformed body like Jesus did when he rose from the dead. Look, look, look at what the Apostle Paul wrote to Christians in Philippi, Greece. He said, our citizenship is in heaven, 
And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Oh, wow. That's something to look forward to. But Okay, broken bodies, but what about broken minds? What about broken emotions because of stuff that's happened to us in this life? You know, some of us have people in our world that we love and their brains have been damaged through an accident or some, you know, as they got older, there's been this chemical thing happening in the brain. The Apostle Paul reminds us, look at this. He says, it's like a puzzling reflection right now as we try and process what we see, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. He says, he's writing in 1 Corinthians 13, all that I know now is partial and incomplete. Yeah, a lot of people that, that's all of us, but some of us even more so because of mental health issues. But he says, then I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. <laughs> Already God sees you. He doesn't see you as a damaged, broken mind. He sees the real person that's in there that maybe nobody else sees. He sees you complete. Isn't that great? You know, it's tough to watch people decline mentally or emotionally or mentally, physically. But there's a very special message here for those who suffer with disabilities, broken bodies, broken minds, broken emotions. And that is, you know, and maybe as some of you are saying, boy, you know, at this time of COVID and then Christmas, it's just like it's ganging up on me to just push me down further. Listen to me. I want to tell you something that will bring encouragement and hope to you in the middle of it right now, and that is it will not always be this way. Jesus is coming, and your mind, whatever you've gone through, your mind is going to be at its best, your emotions are going to be made whole, and your body is going to be transformed even like Jesus' body. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, that's, to use the words of Scripture, that's glorious. And that's your future, dear one. And then difference number four. When Jesus arrived the first time, there was a limited awareness of who he was. Remember when Jesus came the first time, you could fit all the welcoming party into a nativity scene, right? Mary, Joseph, shepherds, wise men. I mean, just fit them all right in there. When Jesus comes again, it's going to be totally the opposite. Christ's return, there's going to be a universal awareness of who he was who he is, and who he forever will be. The last book in the Bible says every eye will see him. Every person will see him. Our project book of Luke records what Jesus himself said about everyone recognizing him when he comes again. It won't just be a small welcoming party. Everyone will see. Listen to what Jesus says. He says there will be strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars here on earth, the nations will be in turmoil. They'll be perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone, who? 
everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, stand and look up for your salvation is near. Oh, the first Christians were so carried along by this knowledge that Jesus who was just with us is coming again that they did not fear death and therefore they did not fear life they knew that there was one day one of their favorite songs to sing the lyrics are recorded in Philippians ends with these words Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And, and that's why they weren't afraid. The Apostle Paul sort of represents uh, th that view. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die, that would be gain because I'll be with Christ and that will be better by far. And that's why that, that first century church did not fear death. And even though they mourned and they grieved when people that they loved were martyred by the Romans and persecutors as, as because they were followers of Jesus, they still had something that could get them through all the pain and all the trial and all, all of the, the horrific circumstances that they found themselves in in that generation. You know what their go-to encouragement was? Jesus is returning. You know, inherent with that, it's not always going to be like, it is this way. This world is broken, but Jesus is coming back and he's going to make every wrong right. Some Christian groups in the early church, it's recorded in Corinthians, even had a word, Maranatha. It's taken from the earliest dialect of Greek that Jesus actually spoke in, in Galilee. In the Aramaic, Maranatha means the Lord is coming. Oh Lord, come. And so... You know, this is a good time, isn't it? Christmas 2020 to say Maranatha. <laughs> Just say it out loud. Jesus is coming again. Brokenness is temporary. Evil does not have the final say. Our king is coming and he's going to make every wrong right. Oh, I remember when I was... Um, Going through a, a time as a leader uh, of discouragement several years ago, and the world leaders, it seemed like they were either corrupt or bullies or were just doing stuff that was not the best for people on the planet, for their future. And even in the church, I'd hear reports about how the younger generations aren't following Jesus like previous generations did, and the future of the church looks like it's going to be dismal and in decline. And I was discouraged. I was discouraged. And I remember just uh, trying to rise above it. And it was one weekend where we, I was up on this platform and we were singing as a church family together in this room. We were singing Glorious. And here's the lyrics that got me. This is the line of the song that got me. He stands above the rulers of this world. And that's what scripture is saying. He is king over all kings. Lord over all lords. You know, whatever, whoever's prime minister, whoever's president, whoever is a well-intentioned leader that has faults or a corrupt leader that's misusing people, he stands above them. 
Whatever happens in the future of the church, Jesus said, I will build it. Nothing will prevail against it. He stands above it. Listen, I don't know what discouragement is hitting the shores of your life these days, but I tell you this, he stands above it. He walks on the water of it, and he will get to you, and he will see you through it. I don't know who I'm talking to that, like me, can sometimes give way to fear for the next generations and how they will do spiritually But he, it's his church. He stands above the rulers of this world. I don't know what COVID kind of covering is over your Christmas this year. Listen, you lift up your heads. Your Redeemer is coming again. Whatever is going on, you still have lots to be thankful for. Oh, Jesus is coming again. Maranatha. Oh, let's pray about this. Jesus, we thank you that we don't have to let the Grinch called COVID steal our Christmas 2020. We thank you that our delays that we're experiencing in our world and our lives, the injustices that we've experienced and will experience, our physical and mental limitations, our brokenness that is not healed now, Lord, there is coming a day when we will stand faultless before you. You will make every wrong right, and we will be with you forever. Oh, Jesus, thank you for coming to be our Savior that first Christmas. Let every heart prepare you room right now. Lord, may people say, I I see who you are, Jesus, my Savior. I receive what you paid for on the cross. Forgiveness for my sins and the gift of eternal life. I receive that, Lord. And Lord, for every one of us that can celebrate the arrival of Jesus at Christmas and your arrival in our lives, help us to get the good news that Jesus loves them and is coming back for them. And every wrong will be made right, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, that you not only were the Savior at Christmas, but you are a coming King of Kings. We celebrate that this Christmas 2020. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.